Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're going to find out how to take your relationship with your readers to the next level. I've got two guests joining me today. One of those is Kim Bowie, Director of Audience Innovation at Arizona Republic, a US regional news website. And we also have David Cohn, the co-founder and chief strategy officer of Subtext, which is a platform that allows readers to subscribe to receive text message updates from local journalists. I just want you to imagine for a second your smartphone going off in your pocket. You look at the screen and it's your local journalist texting you about the latest coronavirus updates for your area. For Kim's team at Arizona Republic, that's how they've been using Subtext since the start of the pandemic. It's given the most loyal readers a way to stay connected with reporters at a time when we're really feeling disconnected with the world. And they're not alone. David will be sharing some broader insights on how Subtext has taken off over the coronavirus pandemic with other publishers. Of course, one of the joys when working from home is the technical issues that can arise. So today we are using a backup Skype call recording. Apologies for some of the sound quality you'll hear, but there is plenty of good discussion to come, so don't go anywhere. And before we jump in, here's something to put into your diary. As well as great editorial content, journalism.co.uk provides media training for journalists, editors and other media professionals. On the 5th of October 2020, we are running a Storytelling and Engagement Techniques Masterclass led by David Atkinson, an established freelance journalist with bylines in The Telegraph, The Guardian and The Daily Mail. For this course and all the other great courses we run, head over to journalism.co.uk forward slash courses. David, Kim, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. It's great to have you here to talk to me today. Uh, let's start with you, Kim. What's the working situation like at Arizona Republic at the moment? Uh, we have all been working at home since March. Um, and it's been it's been a tough year um, on, on many fronts. Uh, you know, Gannett had furloughs earlier this year. Those are pretty much done. And um, it's been a busy year news-wise. So it's been an intense time. And you, David, how's it going? Uh, overall, you know, uh, what I say is I can't complain. Um, I have the same complaints as everybody else. It's been, you know, a busy year feeling cooped up. But, um, you know, overall, uh, doing good. Yeah, I think we can all share some of those some of those sentiments. Of course, it has been a hectic year, what with the coronavirus pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but we are here, of course, to talk about subtext and some of the growth that you've seen on that platform and, and how publishers are using it as well. So, David, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about subtext and what it does as a news product for newsrooms? Sure. Uh, so subtext is a platform that allows a news organization or a reporter to send text messages in mass to their audience. So, um, you know, people can subscribe to get um, text messages from a local beat reporter. Uh, the reporter sends out a message that goes out to 10,000, 100,000 people. Uh, and then those individuals can then respond. Um, and those responses just go to the host. It's not a reply all fest or, or anything like, or a group chat. Um, it starts one-to-one -one conversations which then uh, the reporter can respond one-to-one -to, -one to those people um, or not, right? It depends on how they are approaching it. Um, and then these campaigns can either be um, free to the public. Um, they can also be subscription campaigns and drive new revenue. 
Um, and then they can also be incorporated into existing subscription packages. So like a retention play for existing subscribers. Yeah. And just because you touch on the word there, when you say hosts, what do you mean? Sorry. Yes. By hosts, we just mean uh, content creators. So um, for news organizations, that's typically uh, a reporter. Righto. Righto. So why? What problem do you think this addresses or solves within the journalism industry? The biggest one is just the way in which um, news organizations and reporters engage with their audience, right? We have been using social media platforms as the biggest way to engage our audience um, outside of our websites. Um, and, you know, in the early days of social media, they felt fresh and bright and new and exciting. And today they feel dystopic and scary and filled with trolls. Um, and, you know, texting kind of removes a lot of the problems of social media. It removes trolls. It removes algorithms. It's a direct connection, not mediated by a third party tech platform, um, things like that. And the audience appreciates it as well. Right. The user doesn't feel like they're inundated by thousands of, of tweets in the middle of the context of your one piece of content. Um, and then, again, you can tie that into um, subscriptions as well. So it's we're, we're trying to take the best practices and principles of what in the U.S. we call engagement journalism and trying to also tie that into the bottom line. Um, how can this actually support a news organization financially? So, David, what does the business agreement typically look like between you and a news organization? How does that typically work? Um, sure. So for uh, engagement campaigns, those are campaigns that are free and open to the public. Then, you know, we, we obviously we charge a, a SAS fee. Um, and then news organizations um, can use this to try and drive new subscribers. Right. Think of it as like an email newsletter um, for subscription campaigns where people are charging four or five dollars or however much they want to charge. Um, those are actually free to create. Um, so anybody can create those campaigns and then we just do a revenue split. So Kim, you're one of the hundreds of journalists who are using this product over in North America, where it's exclusively available in the US and in Canada. Um, can you tell us about how your team at Arizona Republic has been using subtext over the last six months and in certain campaigns around the coronavirus pandemic? Sure. So we started using subtext as uh, part of our coronavirus coverage. Um, Early in the pandemic, we were seeing, I think everybody had a lot of questions that needed to be answered. And um, we were looking at things to spin up to sort of help the public through this time. And we decided to sort of approach it from multiple levels. So we did and continue to do this deep at length reporting um, on our website. But the stories that we were publishing every day that were more or less um, what the state is putting out in terms of coronavirus numbers with a little bit of context, were doing really, really well. And I realized that people were looking for that every morning when that was released. So we decided to try subtext as a sort of, we'll call it a, like a breaking news wire for coronavirus statistics. And then just other stuff. Um, we wanted to test and see what the audience would be like. We've never tried a text campaign before um, and to see what the engagement would be like. And at, at the same time, we also started a um, one of thousands, it feels like, pop-up coronavirus newsletter. Um, that was more a look at if you wanted the news right at the minute that it happened, you would subscribe to subtext. If you wanted one daily wrap-up, 
of everything you needed to know about coronavirus that day, you would get the newsletter. Um, and then people on the website or on social media would kind of fall somewhere in between, in between those two. Um, we set up in March with not a ton of, you know, marketing behind it. We pretty much embedded it in most of our stories, including that daily numbers story. And, uh, we've seen pretty fantastic engagement, um, with it and a really loyal audience, um, that is super kind actually <laughs> that's my favorite thing about them they're really nice so that speaks to what david was saying about it being a bit of a less trolly platform um just wondering do you charge subscribers to have access to this coronavirus breaking news wire we're we're doing it for free and we have actually thought about doing a paid service or a service just for subscribers or something like that down the line i didn't want to view this as a money-making uh, thing because early on in the coronavirus, everything we wrote about was free. Um, uh, the, most everything we write that is public service about coronavirus is still free uh, and is not behind our paywall at all. So what you're saying is you've been testing the water to see if there is an appetite for this service and basically so far so good. Um have, are there any good examples or anecdotes of stories where subtext has been particularly useful and, and a valued asset? Uh, when we announced um, our furloughs, I um, went on and I took a picture of myself at home with my dog and <laughs> sent out a text that said, you know, I'm not going to do this often. I know you subscribe to this for coronavirus news, but uh, there might be not as consistent of replies because uh, our parent company, Gannett, just announced furloughs. And, you know, this would be a moment for me to introduce myself fully. You know, I'm Kim. This is my dog, Gadget. And, um, and I do this every day. And I really enjoy talking to you and getting to know all of you. And if you would like to subscribe, subscribe here. Um, I'm not going to say we got like thousands of subscribers off of it, but we did, we got a fair number of folks who were like, yes. Um, and since then we've gotten a fair number of folks that said, if you ever leave the Republic, if you ever stop doing this, I will stop subscribing. This is the best thing you guys have ever done. <laughs> nice. So how many reporters on your team, including yourself, use subtext? As the audience innovation director, like I, I don't do a lot of production. So this is sort of my, my passion project. And we have a couple of, we have a social editor and um, a couple of social reporters who will help uh, if I'm out or busy that day. I act as a, well, we'll call it an audience liaison. So I manage all the day-to-day -day texts. And then if I need something from reporters, they know, they know that we're doing this and um, we've talked about it at length. And so they will just... Um, reply if I have a question. So uh, as an example, we have a reporter that covers just the utilities. And um, somewhere in the pandemic, the utilities all said, oh, we're not going to uh, cut off your power or water if you fail to pay because everyone's going through tough economic times. And I had texted that to folks. And then this woman said, they're turning my water off. And I texted her back and I said, that shouldn't be happening. Here's the story. Are they saying anything? She's like, I have three kids. I'm out of work right now. And I said, okay, um, 
let me know if they actually do turn your water off. The next day she texted, she said, they're turning my water off right now. It was like 8 p.m. at night. I could tell she was freaking out, um, like super upset. And I messaged our utilities reporter and I said, can you help this woman? He does that normally. Um, and, you know, we think of ourselves very much in service journalism. And he, I got her phone number. He called her. They figured out it wasn't even the water company. Uh, it was her neighbor who was putting in a garden and they had accidentally turned off her water, but they wouldn't have known it was her neighbor had he not done some investigating. Kim, what's it like being able to reach readers directly to their smartphones and they be able to reach you on your smartphone? I actually quite like it um, in, in the sense that it is not as anonymous feeling as email nor is it as, as trolly as social media. So it really does. Um, occasionally I'll get somebody who forgot they signed up and they're like, who are you? Why are you texting me? Uh, because it is, it is a very personal space. You know, uh, it is a very personal space, your, your cell phone. And I, I really enjoy it. It's like one of the first things I make sure is taken care of if I take some time off, because if I'm gone for more than a day, they they'll notice um, and I was out for, uh, quite a bit earlier this summer and, um, our social editor filled in and a few of the audience members chided her. They're like, Kim is funnier than you. Uh, can you send some more, <laughs> can you send some more gifts? Uh, cause I'll occasionally send like a silly gift just to kind of lighten, lighten the mood. Um, <laughs> and she said, okay, I'll try <laughs> I'll try to be funnier. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I like, I, I love that. I like, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. I can have a sort of levity that if you do that by email or any other sort of reporting, it's, it's looked as like, Oh, you're not taking this seriously. But if you do it by a text, like everybody's a little sarcastic and silly on text. Uh, one thing just to be clear, um, Jacob is it actually doesn't, it, Kim manages it not from her phone. So her phone is not like, buzzing constantly um, as people respond. For Kim, the interface is much more like an email interface. You know, she goes in on the back end, it looks kind of like, you know, on her desktop computer. And for her, it's much more managing an email. Um, for the users, of course, it all appears um, on the front end as a text message. So I guess it looks a lot like the web version of like WhatsApp, for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I suppose if you're managing it on a desktop, there's there's no danger of you drunk texting your readers. <laughs> No, no, but you know, I will occasionally send them a TGIF or something on the weekends when I'm out and about, and they they thoroughly enjoy it. So, <laughs> so, um, so David, let's let's talk about numbers for a second. Across the board, over the last six months, what's the data kind of saying um, and indicating around COVID campaigns uh, from what you've seen at Subtext? Uh, Subtext has grown a lot. Um, I mean, again, I think um, over the last six months, uh, you know, from like when COVID kind of really started, um, you know, we have had, uh, I want to say like 17 or 18 different campaigns related to just COVID. Um, and they are all across the U.S. and Canada. Um, and we're actually still launching more and more. Um, I want to say just COVID alone maybe 350,000 uh, different people have subscribed to different campaigns across, again, the country and U.S. Um, 
you know, COVID specifically, uh, again, we're looking at an engagement rate of around 20%, and that can, you know, vary, right? Some campaigns take a very much a, you know, just a broadcasting the news kind of perspective, and they have a low engagement rate. Um, we have other campaigns that have made it part of their mission to respond to every single query that comes in, and they've had engagement rates um, and response rates of like 50%. So like they'll send out a text and they'll get, you know, um, almost every other person will ask a question and they'll try and respond to all of those. And what's the distinction between engagement rate and response rate? So uh, an engagement rate is the percentage uh, of people that respond to you. So if I send a broadcast out to 100 people and 20% um, respond, that is an engagement rate. We call that engagement rate. Um, the host response rate is your um, responding to that. So if I get um, you know, 20 people that respond to me and I respond to 10 of those, then I have a 50% host response rate. And we have a dashboard that kind of sh shows you your analytics and, and tracks all of that for you. It ranges. It all depends on what you, you're trying to accomplish. Um, some take a very, you know, heavy service journalism approach and others don't. And that's totally fine. It all depends on your, your goals and, and what you think success looks like. Um, you know, that COVID has been a period of growth for us is is personally bittersweet, right? Like if there was a vaccine tomorrow and all these campaigns got shut down, um, we would obviously be totally happy about it. Um, but for the time being, uh, it has felt like this has been a great use case of subtext because COVID um, from, you know, March and on is one of those topics where people, they don't want to feel like they're missing what's happening, right? They, and they don't want to have to do the work for it. Like Kim said, right, like every day I want to wake up and know what's going on. Um, I want to, you know, know what businesses are or aren't um, opening up or what the rules and regulations are in my area. Um, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, users can try and Google that every day and search for it and like feel like they're trying to keep up to it. Or there's enough pressure on, on all of us already. You can let that pressure go and trust that your local reporter is going to take care of you and let you know when. Um, what the numbers are when salons open up or, or whatever the various things are that are happening right now. The other interesting stat that I've seen on subtext over the last six months is that publishers average about 3% churn rate. So when people do discover the platform and do sign up, they tend to stick around. Kim, is that quite consistent with what you've seen and some of the engagement rates that we've seen as well being pretty high with these COVID-19 campaigns? Yeah, it's it's pretty consistent. I feel like engagement rate is related to response rate. So in the periods where I don't respond as often to folks, um, they will respond less to me. I noticed that most of our unsubscribes or people that leave fit into sort of two buckets. One is we have a lot of uh, transitive people in Arizona, you know, people that might spend the winters here or have some family here. So you know, almost every week I have somebody that texts me that says, I wanna unsubscribe not because you're not great, but because I was very concerned about my family in Arizona, but now it seems like they're okay. Um, keep up the good work. My response to anyone that wants to unsubscribe is, uh, you know, there are templates that you can send. And I always send this little templates. Like we only try to text more, no more than like three times a day. And um, if you don't find it useful, just, you know, text stop and I can't contact you again. And then the second bucket of people is folks that have never engaged at all. Uh, so they haven't responded to one of my questions. Um, almost every other person that isn't one of those, you know, I'm so sorry, keep up the good work. And when I look at their profile, it's, it's they, they haven't engaged. They've only like passively consumed. You get as much as you put into subtext, I think. 
they most enjoy feeling like there is a friend walking them through this. And th and that is really what we I try to do overall. You know, there are some days where I can only get the numbers out because I'm busy, but there are other days where I have time to talk about something personal. The more personal I am about it or the more kind of it feels like a friend texting you, the more engaged the audience seems to be, you know. I once texted that I went to Target this weekend and man, there were like not as many people wearing masks as I thought should be. Um, what was it like for you that weekend? I think it was July 4th weekend and or something like that. And I got a bunch of texts back and they, people were saying like, I went to this Target on 75th Ave in Camelback and no one was wearing masks or I went to this Sprouts or this Fries and they were doing really, really well, which I thought was really interesting that they, they wanted to like specifically tell me what they had seen. So Kim, uh, as a journalist, what kind of editorial thinking goes into using a product like this? I think you have to know your audience. Like we, we think pretty deeply about the, the funnel uh, at the Republic and we talk about it a lot and where somebody falls into the funnel, whether they're at the bottom as a, a you know, loyal subscriber or at the top as kind of a drive-by person. I think a lot of people would view this as a top of the funnel, like just, just trying to get straight traffic to stories. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely not that this is more of a building loyalty sort of middle of the funnel thing for me. And what about any editorial concerns you might have about your reporters using this product? Uh, no, I, I would have concerns if we were asking for like submissions, you know, asking for people to, you know, send us your photos or send us, you know, your stories, um, just, I would want to make sure that they know what they're doing because it is, feels so personal that they feel like that this is, um, and we call it this, like their direct line to the Arizona Republic. Um, they're, they're not thinking that everything they text back is for publication. Um, they're right. thinking of it more as like a, you know, a tip, uh, a, uh, a nod. I would have concerns about that. I don't, think subtext is for that either really it's not for crowdsourcing it's really for connection and the, the other thing that is hard i will say is hard but not necessarily a concern is um trying to fit as much information as i can into a text <laughs> and making sure that folks understand like i can't tell you everything <laughs> on this text I have a, I have a character limit. I can only send you so much and I'm not about to send you like five texts in a row about a story. I'll send you one. And if you're, if you're interested, I'll always give you the link or I'll always, you know, help you find more information if possible. Uh, so there's a little bit of that, but that's not dissimilar to concerns on any other shortened um, editorial product. And what's, what's kind of missing Kim? What other features would you like to see on there? What would be really useful in your day-to-day -day reporting? As simple as like, I, I actually did want it to be more like an email. So like mark multiple things as read. It was like a simple thing that helped me manage the queue of questions and responses for me to get through. Right. So you're able to prioritize and delegate based on the urgency of what's what's coming into you. Yeah. Uh, this is so silly, but like, I wish there was a gift search, David. <laughs> That's fair. Um, That's fair. Because the the gifts and the photos and stuff are 
um, just this like way for me to bring in like supreme personality. Like, Mm. and I will spend a long time looking for like the perfect Schitt's Creek gift to go with this test. Uh, which is something you do for your friends too, right? But I, I really enjoy it because they, because the, the audience will respond. They'll be like, oh God, I love Shit's Creek. And then I'll end up in some other conversation with a stranger about Shit's Creek. Um, and uh, I, th- I think that that has been great. Um, sometimes I wish I could uh, almost segment my audience in terms of like, it would be great if I could create a sub list out of this list of um, people who work at salons, which we happen to have a, a lot of like salons and barbershops were a big concern here for a while, like they were in many states. And I, I ended up having them email me and I had, I, I cannot tell you, like 50 emails in one day with uh, concerns from people at salons who were related to or knew or had heard about my request to hear from more of them uh, via text. So that wasn't a request that went out anywhere but text. And then all of a sudden, overnight, there was 50 emails. Um, and it was it was great. Uh, so I, I enjoy that, but I wish I could, you know, kind of pull out some of the benefits. I just want to text the 10 bar owners about this, like, bar owner news. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, but that, that goes to like, I wish, I wish we had more of a CRM system in general, in journalism, um, for working with our audiences, not, not necessarily getting revenue from them, but working with them. Um, because I don't, I can't connect one of my texters to say one of, uh, our more active people on Facebook. Um, I can't make that one-to-one connection. Uh, and it would be of, of benefit to the newsroom to know that that person is hyper engaged with us on multiple platforms, but someday. That's actually all good feedback. And, um, Kim, you'll be happy to know that we are actually, we have roadmaps and, um, actually gift search is not on it. That's a good one. I, we may add that. Um, but some, some of the other stuff you talked about is actually already on our roadmap. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully stuff we'll be able to, to give you soon. It's really interesting. Um, Kim, my final question is, is for you because what I take from this conversation is that what you're doing through subtext is taking your relationship with your reader to the next level. You're moving the relationship to a platform which is really personal and private for your readers. Um, Not easy to do. Do you have any advice on how to do that? How to take your relationship with your reader to the next level? Um, it, it does require a lot of humility. Um, and you know, every time I accidentally send a typo, I, I feel horrible about it and apologize. And then the audience forgives me. I think it, on both sides, it is about remembering the humanity and that everybody, particularly with coronavirus, but anything else really is like, we're in it together. Right. So, um, like I said, journalists aren't, special um you know we're not getting different treatment we're not experiencing things differently than the general public we are not regular news consumers you know i frequently i ask all of our staff like when they write or do any sort of engagement thing like you're not sending this to your other friend who is in journalism you're sending this to your mom your Mm. sister 
your dad, your grandma. And the more you remember that, um, the better it is. Like I invoke my husband's grandmother a lot, who is a diehard subscriber of the Arizona Republic. And I'm like, grandma would not read a 90 inch story. Grandma's not going to make it through that guys. Uh, uh, and then also reminding our audiences that we're in the same boat as they are. I think that that helps build that relationship. Um, humor, kindness, you know, like everything that goes into being a good person <laughs> um, makes for a good engagement campaign. <laughs> Love that analogy there. Um, Kim, David, it's been really interesting getting your insights on subtext today. Thank you so much for getting up early to do this interview and um, sharing all your insights today. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. An interesting insight into using private platforms. And this doesn't just go for subtext, but other platforms like WhatsApp or Telegram, for example. My takeaway goes back to what Kim said about it being easy to view this as just another platform to drive traffic. But you have to remember that this is a very personal platform to be entering. Be human and don't take typos too seriously. Do that and it can be an effective way to reach and engage with your most loyal readers who tend to stick around if they're getting good value out of it. If you like what you heard, you can check out all our other podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we've got time for. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.